Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I'm your host, Sky Guasco. You are listening to the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Please follow us on Instagram at fantasy football underscore TCK pod and on Twitter at TCK underscore pod. You can find all of our rankings and multiple articles at TCKpod.com. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. What up, TCK Potters? I'm your host, Sky Guasco, back with you for episode 302. Today we bring in Bobby Lamarco of Fantasy Football X Factor, per usual, to break down our early morning slate on Sunday and a couple afternoon games because the NFL finally moved a couple. Uh, so now we have an even split. So to split it up evenly with Lucas tomorrow and Bobby today, I wanted to make sure that we had uh, even split there. So, Bobby, how are you doing, man? Good to hear from you again. Sky, yeah, man. Good to hear from you, too. Thanks for having me on. I can't believe it's week 10 already. Right, dude. We're, uh, we're only about four or five weeks away from the fantasy football playoffs starting. So we're down in the, the nitty gritty on that. But also we're more than halfway through the NFL season. Uh, there's been a proposal to potentially bring in an eighth playoff team in each league. Already we're at seven. Uh, we're usually at six. So it's going to be interesting to see how we actually get through this NFL season and fantasy. But we are here to bring it to you best that we possibly can. So Let's dive right in, man. We've, we've been doing this for, well, this will be the 10th week, so we know the drill here. Let's jump right in. We're going to be breaking down the earlier slate here for the uh, Sunday games as well as two afternoon games, which we we'll get to at the end. And then, of course, in the second half, we'll get into our pick'ems for this week. Bobby had a nice, a nice uh, comeback effort last week, so we'll get into that in just a little bit. All right, man, jumping off the slate here, a big, uh, big matchup in the NFC South. Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming in at six and three got absolutely embarrassed on Sunday night football against the new Orleans saints and the Carolina Panthers at three and six, they got Christian McCaffrey back for about three and a half quarters. Then he goes out with a shoulder injury. He's looking at a second opinion, most likely not going to play this week could miss extra time. I mentioned it on the Monday waiver wire article and the column on uh, Instagram live, but please make sure just to triple check that Mike Davis is not available on your waiver wires. If he is, go get him immediately. Uh, you also may be able to scoop him up before playoffs because he's on the cheap with Christian McCaffrey supposedly coming back, but that obviously is a scare now. With the Buccaneers, man, spoiler alert, I've got both of these quarterbacks uh, as a sit of the week, and I'll explain that after we hear from you, but I'm not excited about these quarterbacks personally. However, we do have Antonio Brown back for the Buccaneers, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Rob Gronkowski, Full arsenal there. We got both running backs. Assuming they don't fumble, they should be good to go against this um, uh, second uh, most generous fantasy matchup for running backs with the Carolina Panthers. On the Carolina side, uh, you've had the emergence of Curtis Samuel, who scored four touchdowns in his last three games, over 100 yards last week. DJ Moore's a bit faded the last three weeks, but Robbie Anderson still leading the team in targets. And again, Mike Davis getting another run here. Um, with Christian McCaffrey out. So how are you feeling about this early game here with the Buccaneers and the Panthers? 
Yeah, what was that from the Bucks last week? It was brutal. Now they're on a short week. Uh, I just, I'm, I'm not really too excited. Or they played on Sunday night. My apologies, but still, like it, it, that was crazy. I just don't think Tom Brady is going to have back-to-back bad games like that. And I understand that fading them, the pass catchers in this one. But what I started doing is I started looking at the more uh, recent five weeks. I've kind of started narrowing down my focus and seeing what the trends are for the more recent games. And when you're looking at the Buccaneers and how you can attack the Carolina Panthers, the Panthers are actually been more susceptible to outside wide receivers over the last five weeks. And that is good news for Mike Evans and, uh, of course, Antonio Brown now. Less good news for a guy like Chris Godwin in this matchup. It's tough to really evaluate Brady. I mean, they were so bad. He went 22 for 38, 209 yards and three interceptions against the Saints. It, it was just a mind-blowing game. They had like four or five, three and outs in a row. I just don't see that happening again. Evans did okay. He had four receptions for 64 yards. I think Evans can definitely build on that performance. They don't have a notable corner on Carolina that can slow him down. And we have seen outside receivers, example, like Tyree Kill recently, nine for 113 and two just last week. In a game where Carolina was very competitive, and they're actually ahead in that game early on. So I do like the fact that Carolina's offense can probably put up points similar to what we saw with the Saints did. I mean, I don't know what happened with Tampa Bay in general. Their defense was probably one of the best teams heading into last week. Drew Brees makes it look easy, 222 and four touchdowns. So, you know, Teddy B should have some success. I'm not expecting a shootout or anything like that. But from what I'm saying is what I think I like is for the passing game is probably going to be Mike Evans is the guy I'm leaning on in this game. I think he's going to have another strong performance. I think Antonio Brown might be a flex play, but until I see it, I'm not too excited to start him. And I'm kind of fading Chris Godwin uh, because the Panthers have been very tough against slot wide receivers this season. As for the grunt game, you're right. I mean, the Carolina has been a sleeve all year against the run. So the Tampa Bay should get rolling, but Ronald Jones is one mistake away from losing his job completely for the whole game. We saw it last week. He had the fumble, he finishes the game, three carries for nine yards. And then on top of that, they were down big. So that's why they favored Leonard Fournette, but no one got it really done on the ground either way. Fournette had one carry for zero yards. So I still think you got to roll with Ronald Jones. He's probably going to be the main guy. I think they're going to try to bounce back. They also uh, didn't have one of their starting guards last week, so hopefully he can come back from the concussion. So I kind of do like some of the players for Tampa Bay. I think I'm favoring Ronald Jones. We have seen Carolina be very susceptible pass catching running backs too, so I think Fournette could even be a flex play, especially with maybe just Mike Evans also being a factor for the wide receivers. And then tight ends. Carolina has been susceptible to tight ends. I mean, it's – it's basically what I'm saying. It sounds like it's going to be a shootout for Tampa. I just think Tampa's going to bounce back personally. But, you know, Rob Gronkowski, he is running a lot of routes, but now he's going to be probably fourth on the pecking order behind Brown, Chris Godwin, and Mike Evans, which is going to limit his ability to be consistent. But in plus matchups like Carolina, you could probably start him as a low tight end one. On the opposite side, for the Carolina Panthers, listen, it's like, is it going to be the same thing we saw last week? I mean, listen, Michael Thomas didn't set the world on fire. He had five receptions for 51 yards. But, you know, Breeze did it with a variety of different players. So the main guys really didn't dominate. It was, you know, Traquan Smith had a touchdown. Hill had a touchdown. Troutman had a touchdown. And then Sanders had four for 38 and one. So when you're evaluating if Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore can have big games, you have to hope that the, uh, the Buccaneers are going to score points that for them to keep, play keep up. Now, when you're looking at who actually has beat the – Saints in the past, I mean, the Buccaneers in the past, it has been more outside receivers and tight ends. So, for example, the t- Buccaneers have allowed big games to Darren Waller, Evan Ingram. 
And then on the outside receivers, we saw Emmanuel Sanders, Sterling Shepard, and Nelson Aguilar have decent games. So I personally like Robbie Anderson in this game. I think he's going to be good. He's always going to be the primary guy. But the one thing I will say about DJ Moore now is Curtis Samuel has emerged as a legit two slash three on this team. Last week, he had nine receptions for 105 and one. That's going to limit DJ Moore's ability because it's going to be Robbie Anderson one. And then is it Samuel or DJ Moore this week? I'm not sure. I think they're both at best flex plays. I'm not really excited to play either. And of course, Mike Davis probably has the toughest matchup of the week. Tampa Bay is very tough against the ground game. So I think Tim, I think Mike Davis, because of the volume is still a solid flex play, but overall I'm not overly excited to start anybody in the Carolina offense, except maybe Robbie Anderson. Who do you think is the bona fide number one for Carolina? And who do you think Carlton Davis, the uh, shutdown corner at this point for Tampa Bay will be covering? So the thing is with Davis is he doesn't shadow all the time and they kind of pick and choose when they're going to shadow guys. Like he shadowed Mike Thomas in week one. I have not seen the final results from last week yet, but I, I will know later in the week. But when I do my report, I did say he would shadow Michael Thomas and he did do a decent job if they did shadow him 551. So, but the thing with Robbie Anderson is that he kicks in a lot inside more than a DJ Moore does. So Moore would make the most sense for them to shadow Charlton Davis, but I have a feeling they're not going to shadow anybody because when you have multiple pass weapons that are kind of similar, can beat you, they're not going to favor one or the other. I think they're just going to let Charlton Davis be on one side, Dean be on the other, and just let it roll. That's how I think it's going to happen. As I mentioned, I am fading both Teddy Bridgewater and Tom Brady, and uh, you give a great breakdown for everybody. I'm just going to jump in on the quarterbacks really quickly. So for Teddy Bridgewater, um, he's been playing well this season, honestly, better than I thought he would frankly um and we know that the tampa bay buccaneers obviously got shredded by drew Brees, as you mentioned 222 and four touchdowns last week however um previous to last week the first eight games of the season the buccaneers had given up the third fewest fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks now in this first matchup in week two teddy actually threw for a season high 367 passing yards but if you remember that game, there was two 70-yard passes, which obviously boosts that up. But he did not throw a touchdown, and he did throw two interceptions. Christian McCaffrey, again, not going to be playing in this one. I am worried about Carlton Davis shutting down whoever he goes up against. And I mentioned earlier that DJ Moore has been fading in this offense as of late with eight total receptions on 14 targets over the last three games combined. For me, that's a concern. Robbie Anderson has been great, but I'm worried about Davis if he matches up. And Curtis Samuel has been excellent but he's kind of like I think he's going to get more of that running back role with Christian McCaffrey out again so that'll be interesting to see kind of how do they utilize him and on Brady's side excuse me on Brady's side um, you know we'll throw out last week Antonio Brown's coming back they get behind early and they just kind of have to wing it we'll see what happens but again the Panthers have been very stout up against the um, opposing quarterbacks and wide receivers Currently, they're giving up the eighth fewest fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks, sixth fewest against opposing wide receivers. Now, they're absolutely uh, available via the run, as we have mentioned. So I expect a big game from Rojo and Leonard Fournette, but I do think they could potentially keep Tom Brady in check, potentially. Last week, Tom Brady was 2.36 fantasy points, according to ESPN, and collectively, the wide receiving core for the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers had 28 fantasy points as a group versus the saints. So I am concerned about it overall. Um, again, I think it's going to be kind of just a, uh, not a shootout, but kind of a, 
um, old school, you know, ground and pound from both of these. And um, we'll get to our picture in a little bit, but I, I am basically, if Tom Brady is fadeable in a single QB league, I'm doing that. And if you can look elsewhere from Teddy Bridgewater this week, I'm doing that as well. However, I'm very aware that quarterbacks are tough to come by, especially in super flex. And you may have to roll with them, just uh, temper expectations. Okay, let's move on to the Houston Texans and the Cleveland Browns. Houston comes in two and six. They get their second win of the season over Jacksonville last week. Cleveland Browns coming off of a bye at five and three. A couple noteworthy uh, mentions here. So we'll start with the Texans. David Johnson in the uh, NFL's concussion protocol. Um, Duke Johnson came in, got 20 touches, played really well uh, after the fact. So if David Johnson is out, Duke Johnson is, is a spot start for sure. Um, I'm concerned about David Johnson, though, and as of this podcast, he's questionable to return. Baker Mayfield was in the COVID protocols uh, prior to the bye, and now with the bye, he should be fine to play, but just monitor that throughout the week. And Nick Chubb is set to return off of IR. He's missed the last five games, <clears throat> of course, with a knee injury. He's coming back. He's activated, I should say. We'll see if he actually plays this week, and if he does, to what role. This is an incredible matchup, though, for the Browns running back so even if Nick Chubb plays I still like Kareem Hunt and Kareem Hunt is actually more efficient with Nick Chubb out there uh, believe it or not so I like that a lot um, as far as the full rundown I mean Deshaun Watson has been absolutely incredible Will Fuller um, Brandon Cooks have been great as of late uh, even Randall Cobb is a spot start I think and both these tight ends potentially in a spot um, if you need them as well Akins and uh, uh, I would say Fells uh, Fell, yeah and on the uh, Cleveland side, um, Landry, automatic. Austin Hooper also returning uh, from his appendectomy situation. So I do think there are plenty of options here in fantasy, but I'm keeping an eye on David Johnson, Baker Mayfield, Nick Chubb, and Austin Hooper to make sure all of them are active in this game. How are you feeling about it? So last week, Bradley Roby was a, a scratch because of disciplinary reasons. And then we saw DJ Chark just vault up, catch that long touchdown to start the game, finish for seven for 140 six and one that to me is one of those things where when you're talking about these kind of defenses and you start taking away key guys you know that's going to vault up the pass volume for everybody so I think that really helped Deshaun Watson last week you know pretty much dominate the Jags because the Jags put up a fight I mean 25 27 25 uh, Luton had 304 yards in that game so once you take away a key guy so I'd be very interested to monitor Roby's situation if Bradley Roby is out again that's just going to kind of increase the pass volume across the board because Cleveland will have a lot more success because Bradley Roby has been playing like a shadow corner all year long. So something worth noting and watching, but on the Texans side, listen, I think this is going to be a good pass volume projection game. Cleveland early on in the season, especially was dominating games early on. And then teams were have to throw against them. You know, of course the Raiders game in week eight was a sloppy game. Remember it was that high wind rain game. So it's hard to really judge that, but, Prior to that, they had some notable games against the Cincinnati Bengals, where Joe Burrow had 400 yards and three touchdowns against Cleveland because Cleveland was able to put up points. So this could be a fun one for the passing games. Now, like you touched on, David Johnson is out most likely this game. Now, the ground game is not a plus matchup. I don't see Duke Johnson going for, you know, over 100 yards. But Duke Johnson, as a combined getting that workhorse role with no David Johnson, makes him a flex play especially in a game where he could see a handful of uh, touches and carries like last week, he got almost 20 carries uh, 20 touches in that game. So something worth monitoring. If you want a running back, you need a running back, pick him up on waivers, 
For who beats the Browns, though, it's typically uh, inside wide receivers, mostly guys that kick inside. But we have seen multiple tandems beat them. So CeeDee Lamb, Mari Cooper, Chase Claypool, uh, James Washington. We saw Boyd, Higgins, and Green all have big games. I, I try to throw out that week eight performance versus the, the Raiders, but Run Hunter Renfro had double-digit fantasy points. So I'm into it. I think Will Fuller's in play. I think Brandon Cooks is in play. Now, the tight ends are probably fading. I think I'm just going to keep my focus very similar to what happened last week. It was Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks. That was it. And I think that's what I'm going to look at again for the Houston side. And then when you look over at the Browns, it is the health of these guys. Nick Chubb's coming back. Austin Hooper's coming back. I'm rolling with them. I'm rolling with Nick Chubb if he plays, obviously. But Mark, if uh, Austin Hooper's in, the Texans have been terrible at covering tight ends. I mean, Tyler Eifert came out of the nowhere and had four receptions for 48 yards last week. So I do believe that Austin Hooper, if he plays, he's in your lineup as a low tight end one. But for the most part, it's been outside wide receivers. It's really going to be is Bradley Roby in. Bradley Roby is a difference maker for that secondary. He's been pretty solid. If he's in, it does bring down the, the likelihood of Rashard Higgins having a monster day. But if Roby's out, I like Higgins as well in this matchup. But I like Jarvis Landry. Landry kicks inside about 50% of his snaps. Houston has been average against slot inside receivers, but overall they're very vulnerable to wide receivers. So I think Landry is probably my favorite start of the week uh, as a, a for the Brown side as a wide receiver three, as like a dark horse guy. I mean, obviously you're starting your studs, but I'm playing Jarvis Landry in this one. As for Baker Mayfield, I think you can play. I think we just saw Jake Lutton. Get 300 yards and a touchdown. So I think Baker Mayfield could flirt with low end tight end one value, uh, QB one value in this matchup. So I'm favoring the passing games in this one. I like them a lot. And then when it comes to Kareem Hunt, listen, early on in the season, I kept saying this over and over again, his, his production was coming in blowouts in fourth quarters. Like it was nuts. And then he has been average since, uh, since Dick Chubb went out, he hasn't been like a dominant RB one like we all thought he would be. He's been okay. I mean, he hasn't been an elite player at all, but, you know, that's just something worth noting. I think if he comes – if Chubb is back, Hunt becomes a very risky flex play. I just don't see that Houston's going to give up enough of production to both those running backs again to make them fantasy viable. But I think because it's Nick Chubb's first week back, you can still play Nick uh, Cream Hunt as a flex play. I agree. And frankly, in PPR leagues, I've been – I have a, two leagues where I actually have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Um, and I was playing both of them for the first three weeks of the season, and it was working out. So I wouldn't mind playing both if you have both or, you know, playing either or with Nick Chubb coming back because I don't expect, you know, 20 plus touches in the first week. Although, look, man, he might have been OK th two weeks ago and they had the bye week and everything else. So uh, Nick Chubb might be might be all systems go, but I would be a little bit cautious the, the first week off. All right, let's get into the football team and the Detroit Lions football team, two and six Detroit Lions, three and five Lions could be without. Matt Stafford going with Chase Daniel. They could be without Kenny Galladay again. Uh, Galladay out with a hip injury last week. He's questionable this week. Matt Stafford had a concussion at the end of the game. Chase Daniel came in at the end of that one as well. The running backs are always a question mark there in, um, in Detroit. And, you know, how do we feel in general about Marvin Jones? On the Washington side, it's going to be Alex Smith moving forward. And uh, Antonio Gibson is the lead back there. That's been, that's been pretty solidified on early downs. However, JD McKissick is somebody I want to dive into a little bit after we hear from you, Bobby. Um, I'm really excited about him, especially in PPR leagues moving forward. And then Terry McLaurin is pretty much, you know, um, matchup proof. 
Uh, it's just a matter of that he plays with the Washington football team, but he is a, he's an automatic as well. Um, Logan Thomas or anybody else that you're excited about there for the football team in general. And uh, how do you feel about the Lions? So let's talk about the Washington football team first and this game overall. So when I was looking at the pass volume projection for these teams, both defenses don't see a lot of pass volume. These teams slow the game down a lot. And that's going to be notable when you're looking at the other players, you're going to obviously play the main guys, the studs, the Terry McLaurin's, but if you're going to start looking at other options, I would fade everybody except the main guys. So for the Washington football team, for me, obviously, like you touched on Alex Smith is probably, well, definitely going to be the starting quarterback. I'm not sure what their thought process is on Haskins moving forward. If they're going to even try to see what he can do, it's irrelevant. But Alex Smith targets his running backs like crazy. It's been nuts what he's been doing with J.D. McKissick since he's been in there. I think I saw a stat that he was getting like a 40% target share or something with Alex Smith. It's it's outrageous. So when you look at who beats the Lions, it's the run games. So I think that both running backs are in play. I like Antonio Gibson, and I also like J.D. McKissick in this matchup. I believe that there's enough to go around with them too because Detroit's actually been okay against like wide receivers and tight ends this season. Like last week, if you look at it, you know, they didn't allow major production to Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, mostly because Dalvin Cook completely dominated them. Prior weeks against Indy, no one notable got anything done. Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones had solid weeks against them. So I get it. When the studs play Detroit, they beat them. So when you're looking at it, I still love Terry McLaurin. I think he's going to have a nice day, but I think it's just Terry McLaurin and the two running backs for me. And I'm not going anywhere else for the Washington football team. Same thing with the Lions. So when I was looking at who beats the Washington football team, they have been the toughest, one of the toughest matchups for wide receivers all year. And it's been due to the fact they don't see a lot of pass volume. Early on the season, they do trail a lot in games. When they're in more competitive football games, you start seeing a little bit of a change. But overall, still very tough against wide receivers. Last week, Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton didn't do much in that game against the Washington football team. It was Mack, who, like the wide receiver four, that actually got the production, which is neither here or there. But who beats the Washington football team? Tight ends. So that's great news for TJ Hawkins. I think he's the start of the week at the lines on the line side of the football. I really like TJ Hawkinson. And then if you look at who else beats, if you're going to pick a wide receiver, it has been more outside guys. So Robert Woods, Marquise Hollywood Brown, Darius Slayton caught a touchdown a couple of weeks ago and Amari Cooper. So I do believe that if you're going to pick a guy, I think Marvin Jones is an okay flex play in this game. I know Amendola got so much production. I think he had seven receptions last week. I know in PPR formats, he makes sense as a wide receiver three, but I think I'm fading him in this matchup. The Washington football team is one of the toughest for inside slide wide receivers in the NFL. And then finally, DeAndre Swift, the run game. I think Swift is slowly emerging to get consistently getting you 15 touches a game. That level of production is going to keep him fantasy vile week in and week out. So I'm okay with him. Washington football team is not a scary matchup. We just saw Wayne Gallman and Alfred Morris get 130 yards rushing against them or 125 yards rushing. So that's insane. So if they can do that, I believe that you could definitely see Swift getting all that work because we're starting to see, you know, and the pecking order, 15 touches a game for the uh, Swift, just under 10 for Adrian Peterson and about five to seven for uh, Johnson. So I, I think Swift can still be a flex play in this one. I agree. The lions are actually giving up the uh, second most fantasy points to running backs right behind the green Bay Packers and just ahead of the Carolina Panthers. So I absolutely agree. And to your point, with the running backs there, I mean, you know, Antonio Gibson's a, a start automatic, but J.D. McKissick is somebody who has just been floating under the radar all season. 
He's been pretty effective. He has yet to score, but his statistics in general have been solid. And his work with Alex Smith, as you mentioned, has been ridiculous. So Jaden McKissick last week had season highs in targets with 14, receptions with nine, receiving yards with 65. And that was with Smith behind center. Now in the two partial games that Alex Smith was the football team's quarterback when he came in relief uh, earlier in the season for Dwayne Haskins and then Kyle Allen last week, McKissick has seen in those two games, McKissick has seen 22 targets, 15 receptions and 111 receiving yards. And again, he's yet to score, but he's still getting you an average of 14 PPR fantasy points in three of the last four games for Washington. So if he scores, you're over 20 points there uh, for JD McKissick, who's somebody that you can probably just get off of your waiver wires right now. And I do expect him to be a, a startable asset as long as Alex Smith is the quarterback there for Washington, which frankly should be the foreseeable future unless he gets re-injured because um, looks like Kyle Allen is done for the season with that horrendous fracture on his ankle. Dwayne Haskins just isn't the answer. Uh, so I think it's going to be Alex Smith um, as long as he can stay healthy. And if he does, we know that the running backs are going to get extra peppered uh, through the passing game there. We've seen that throughout his career with San Francisco and uh, Kansas City. So I like that a lot for Jeannie McKissick. All right, man, let's jump into the – uh, Jacksonville Jaguars and the Green Bay Packers. The Jaguars come in at one and seven. The Packers at six and two. This one could get ugly real quick in Lambeau Field. We'll talk about Jake Luton real quick. Uh, shouts out to the Beavers up the street from me, Oregon State. Played really well, as you mentioned, that deep touchdown to um, DJ Chark last week, filling in for Garner Minshew, and it looks like it's Luton's squad as long as he can handle it. Um, running back has been great. James Washington is a start, uh, top five running back now, um, kind of a, a waiver wire hero off of the season early on. Wide receivers, to me, it's pretty much just DJ Chark, but I'd like to hear if you feel like LaVisca Chenault could be an option if he's healthy, but the Packers have been pretty solid against us um, opposing wide receivers. And then on the other side, you know, Rodgers, uh, Adams, obviously automatic. How do you feel about Robert Tunyon, and how do you feel about Aaron Jones slash Jamal Williams, assuming Jones can get a full workload, which he saw uh, last week him get you know plenty of work. He didn't score, but he got plenty of touches, and Jamal Williams should be back off the uh, COVID list as well. So Packers should be full go, and if LaVisca Chenault can come back, looks like the Jags are as well. How do you feel about this one in Lambeau? So, all right, you know, and this is the thing. So I, when I'm looking at this game, it could get ugly, like you said early. And you were looking at the Packers. The Packers can dominate this game on the ground with Aaron Jones. So Aaron Jones quickly, you know, you could see a game where Aaron, uh, Aaron Rodgers throws the ball like 25 times. He gets you 200 yards, two scores. They call it a day, right? But I think a big key here is Jair Alexander. So Jair Alexander is the true shutdown corner for the Green Bay Packers. He left the game on Thursday against San Francisco early with a concussion. Now he does have the extended break, so he should be able to get back for this game, but that's something to monitor. Cause like I just touched on with Bradley Roby, when DJ Shark has the ability to play these, you know, lesser corners, he's going to dominate. And that could really help elevate this passing volume projection. So just something worth noting later in the week, watch Jair Alexander's practice reports. Maybe if he plays, then I'm downgrading maybe the pass catchers, but for the most part, let's focus on the Jaguar side. LaVisha Chenault, I, you know, I, I can tell you this. When you see backup quarterbacks go in, we typically see them sometimes targeting their backup receivers, and that happened with Chris Conley. So Chris Conley, ironically enough, came in when LaVisha Chenault came, went out. He had eight targets in that game. So 
if Jair Alexander's in, this is important because he'll shadow DJ Chark. Chark won't have that seven for 146 and one in that game. They'll have a much tougher time because Bradley Roby was out. And he didn't have anybody to shadow him. Chris Connolly is someone to watch. I think he could be a wide receiver three in a game where the Jaguars are going to have to throw. And if Jair Alexander's shutting down DJ Chark, that could be notable for this game. Uh, outside of that, run games have, have dominated the Green Bay Packers. They have not been good against run games all year. I mean, even at last week was just a weird game. The Packers dominated the 49ers. It wasn't great, but, you know, even, you know, McKinnon got a late touchdown in that game. I know it was like a blowout, but I do like James Robinson. I think you keep rolling in the guys like the RB six on this season. So one of the biggest surprises of the year, um, <laughs> we should probably talk trades at some point because I, I actually have a league where I'm out of it and I want to start tra trading for the future, but we'll talk offline, I guess. But anyway, so I think, I think you could play James Robinson, obviously, but I'm definitely monitoring that Jair Alexander stuff because if Alexander's out, I'm all in on DJ Chark. If he's in, I'm kind of maybe viewing DJ Chark as just a flex play wide receiver three. And I think Chris Connolly can move into that flex wide receiver range as well. They're a lot closer if that happens. On the other side of the ball, I'm not getting cute. I, I really think the Packers are just going to handle business. I think Aaron Rodgers, of course, is a QB1 this week. I don't think he's going to go for 305 and four. But at the same time, I think he's a must start. I think you're just rolling with Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones as well. I'm not playing the game with Jamal Williams. Uh, it's kind of impossible to predict when he's going to pop off because he's obviously the getting about a third of the production versus two-thirds for Aaron Jones when he's healthy. And then for the tight end position and the other wide receivers, I just don't think they're going to need to throw that much. But like I said, Jair Alexander to me is very important because if Jair Alexander is out – we could definitely see the Jaguars having more success through the air. I think it's very important to monitor that kind of stuff. So maybe MBS and, and Robert Tanya could get a little more production. I personally favor Rob, uh, MBS over Robert Tanya. I think Tanya to me is only going to be streamable in really good matchups and games where the Packers are going to have to play keep up. I am not interested in Tanya anymore, especially with Alan Lazard coming back soon too. So just keep that in mind. That's a name to monitor as well. If he's on your waivers, you might want to scoop him up, but that's just kind of how I feel about the Packers and Jags game. We have one more ga uh, morning game to get to. That's the Eagles and the Giants. So we're going to have two afternoon games. But before we do that, Bobby, can you please remind the TCK Potters where we can find all of your work? Yeah. So I, I currently on Instagram at Fantasy Football X Factor and also on uh, Twitter at FFX Factor. I also write for football.rasball.com. My shadow coverage report comes out every week. I also write an opportunities analysis every Saturday for Expand the Box Score, where I go over the best matchups and hidden gems for the week coming up. Excellent. Y'all know how we do it, man. It's a family affair. Go support the mans, give him a follow, give him a share and go read his other articles. You hear the in-depth breakdowns. I always learn a lot and I'm always hitting Bobby up Sunday morning for my last minute spot starts uh, to hear about the uh, cornerback coverages and who's in the slot and who's got the best coverages. And Bobby's my go-to for that. So make sure you go support the man. All right. We got three games left, man. Let's get into the Eagles and the Giants. Uh, this one is like pseudo for first place in the <laughs> NFC East with the Eagles coming in at three, four and one off a of bye. the Giants at two and seven. And this is interesting because I think the Eagles are right about where they've played three, four and one. They had that tie with Cincinnati early three, four and one. The Giants, on the other hand, if Daniel Jones can connect a few more passes this season, I think the Giants are close to 500 potentially. They have a surprising defense, I think, this year. They've done okay filling the spot for uh, Saquon Barkley. And, of course, I'm not mentioning that any of those running backs are Saquon Barkley by any means. However, 
I think they've done a decent job piecemealing it together. They should get uh, Devonta Freeman back this week. Um, they have a full arsenal of wide receivers. We'll see if Golden Tate plays. He got benched for basically trying to be the squeaky wheel, but they just were tired of his shit and benched him last week. Evan Ingram has emerged, finally catching the ball, looks to be a little bit better. Sterling Shepard uh, is good for about six catches a week while he plays Daniel Jones, a spot start versus the Eagles here. And on the other side with the Eagles, Carson Wentz is my start of the week, which I'll get into in just a little bit. Um, I was He was a couple weeks ago and uh, beat up on the Giants, so I'll go over all that in just a second. But he is getting back his weapons. That's what I'm most excited about. Hopefully, Miles Sanders can return. If not, he's very, very close. And with the wide receivers, he's got Travis Fulgham. He's got Jalen Rager, who we saw come in for a week before the bye. But now he's potentially getting um, – Alshon Jeffrey back as well and then he's got uh, Dallas Goddard and Greg Ward as well so looks like the Eagles are as healthy as they've been all season this particular week and the Giants are struggling so how do you feel about both of these squads and you know there's a lot of receivers out this week I mean we have the Chiefs the Cowboys the Falcons and the Jets out I mean just between the Chiefs Cowboys and Falcons that's about six, seven wide receivers that are unavailable there um, and two high-quality tight ends, obviously. So there's a lot of pass catchers unavailable due to bye weeks this week, Bobby. So I'm kind of looking at the Eagles in general this week with four potential options, maybe five if you try, if you count Dallas Goddard and you know Greg Ward, Alshon Jeffrey for sure, maybe even Jalen Rager at this point might be still available on your waiver wire. So am I overzealous on the Eagles this week or – um, are you uh, buying in as well? Well, the Eagles can't run the football. So that's one thing. And that's really helped Carson Wentz just by you and his volume. I mean, against the Giants, like you just touched on the last time they faced, he had 43 pass attempts, 350 y- yards and two touchdowns thrown to Richard Rogers, essentially was his best wide receiver. So uh, in that matchup. So I think that is very notable. I think that you're right. You know, when you're looking at the Eagles, you should be excited about, you know, Jalen Rager, you should be excited about Alshon come back. Dallas Goddard getting one week healthier. I just think that I'm in on Carson Wentz. I, I get it. I totally do. A lot of this sometimes comes down to can the Giants manufacture points? I mean, Daniel Jones has not been consistent. He's barely gotten over like 200 yards passing, multiple touchdowns in a game. The running game for the Giants has actually slowly improved. We just touched on the last week how Wayne Gallman and, and, and Alfred Morris had over 130 yards rushing. So that is, that is something. You want the Giants we're, – we're fantasy guys, right? We're talking about fantasy football. We want both offenses to do well. So that's going to be important in this game. Problem is the Eagles' run defense is legit. So not sure if the Giants are going to be able to do it on the ground. But when you're looking at the Eagles, it really comes down to how they utilize uh, James Bradbury for the New York Giants' defense. Because when they shadow people with Bradbury, he takes guys away. He actually shadowed Deshaun Jackson in the first matchup. Djax didn't finish that game, but only had three for 34. I don't know if teams are really starting to evaluate Fulgram as the number one. Will she, uh, will Alshon Jeffrey come in and teams value him? So it's tough to judge that. So when you're looking at the other guys, I mean, the Giants secondary is completely banged up outside of James Bradbury. So I think that you can beat them with wide receivers. Jalen Rager could have a good game. But I don't. I couldn't tell you who's James Bradbury going to target in this one. They might not even shadow anybody with James Bradbury, which is great because then there's plenty of opportunities because all those other wide receivers move around the formation. So I'm in on that. And also Dallas Goddard. Listen, he was a complete dud two weeks ago, and 
it is what it is. I think he was just coming back from injury. This offense totally utilizes the tight end. Richard Rodgers had six for 85 the last time he faced the Giants. So I'm putting Goddard in. I know he he burned me last time, but I think I'm in on him for this week. So you can plug him into your, your matchup. And then Miles Sanders. If Miles Sanders is in, you're playing him. He's one of the special talents of the of the football league. You got to do it. So even if, if Sanders is out, listen, Boston Scott had a decent day. He caught that late touchdown in that game. But he had a combined 90 yards and a score. So I think if, if Sanders is out, you can still flex Boston Scott. But I definitely favor the passing game for the Eagles. And for the Giants, one of the most under-the-radar things about Evan Ingram is that he's been kind of splitting some time with Caden Smith. And Caden Smith got hurt last game. And then Evan Ingram's snap count rose. His He got more routes. He was on the field a lot more. And he got more targets. So I think that's something that's worth noting. So it's an average matchup for, for tight ends. Last time they faced, Ingram had six for 46 versus the Eagles. I think that makes him a solid another week tight end one. Now, another important factor is on the other side is Darius Slay. So Slay is the new shadow corner for the Eagles. And the last time they faced, he, he shadowed Slayton. Slayton did absolutely nothing. He had two for 23. It was Shepard who had six for 59 and one. I'd lean that direction again. I think Shepard's the start over Slayton. I think they use Slay on Slayton again. And I think you fade Slayton in this matchup. And I think you play Shepard and just Evan Ingram. The running backs, like I said, they are improving. But at the same time, the Eagles defense is much better against the run than the pass. And now you have Gollum, more splitting work. We don't know if Freeman's going to be be back this week 100% yet. But, you know, he's been in and out of the lineup. But now you have three guys. Last week, Gollum only had, um, he had 14 carries. Morris had nine in a game where they actually had a lead against Washington this week, they should be trailing against Philly. I'm not, I'm not interested in the running back. So I'm fading them. I think that's a great call, man. I love the, I love the nugget on Caden Smith because again, it's all about snap share. It's all about opportunity in fantasy football. And if Evan Ingram wasn't getting a full snap share, but we're not actually seeing that in the box score, um, that's something to overlook. And he has looked much better. Um, and again, his issue has always just been catching the ball. And staying healthy, and he's been doing both recently. So he is absolutely uh, in the talks uh, weekly at a slim position as is. I want to dive into Carson Wentz a little bit more, and then we'll jump into the uh, Chargers and Dolphins game in the afternoon. So in Week Eight, as you mentioned, these two teams played each other just a couple weeks ago before the bye week. Now Wentz had a season high in passing yards by 89. So you mentioned his stats, but he had 89 more passing yards in that game than he's had in any other game this season. And he was tied with a season-high 29 fantasy points in that particular game. So the Giants are allowing the 13th most fantasy points versus opposing wide receiving cores. And Wentz has his fullest arsenal nearly all season, as I mentioned. That's Rager, Fulgham, Ward, Jeffrey potentially, Miles Sanders potentially, Dallas Goddard. So I love Carson Wentz this particular week. This is in New, well, New Jersey technically, but this is a road game for the Eagles. But I do like their matchup here. And I do think that they match up well for fantasy purposes. And again, if Wentz has all of his weapons, I think he's a surefire uh, start. And I think he could potentially be a top six uh, quarterback this particular week. So I'm firing him up if I can. And he might be available on waiver wires last minute. Um, Waiver wires have cleared by the time you're hearing this podcast, but uh, always take a look at who was dropped and who was not picked up in single quarterback leagues. He may be available as they were on the bye week there. So people are set and they didn't need him. He might be available, so go take a look to see if uh, Carson Wentz is free off your waivers. All right, man, let's jump into the Chargers and the Miami Dolphins. This is a marquee matchup because 
We have two top six NFL draft picks in Justin Herbert, of course, number six, Tua Tungavailoa, number five. This is going to be a, a longtime rivalry in the NFL. They're not in the same division, so they'll only play each other every couple of years. However, hopefully both these guys are um, startable assets uh, and quality uh, NFL quarterbacks and fantasy options for the next decade at least. Uh, for the Chargers side, they come in at two and six. They have lost six games this year by a total score or, or by a total deficit of 24 points. That's four points a game. Every loss they've had has been within single digits. Just brutal. Um, another another tough one last week uh, with a drop touchdown basically to, to give them the game there. So rough. Herbert, automatic start at this point. The Dolphins secondary is excellent, which I'm sure you'll talk about. Um, but the the uh, the Justin Herbert train is legit. I've been driving it since the preseason. Of course, I'm a duck. I'm a homer for sure. I've been watching this kid since high school. I'm so glad that he's panning out. I just hope he can get some W's here. But Herbert's automatic. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams went down on basically the second to last play of the game last week. He's questionable now. I'm not feeling good about him. If he's out, I'm curious who would be maybe that uh, option to fill in for him. Is it maybe Guyton? But he seems to only be a streaker so far this year. And then the backfield. Here's the big question. So Kalen Balazs comes in last week and uh, basically reemerges out of nowhere. Frankly, I didn't even know he was on the chargers until he comes in. He has 15 carries 69 rushing yards and a touchdown, two catches, 15 rushing yards. Now to his credit, he had 84 total yards on 17 total touches with his debut with the chargers. If Jackson's going to be out for uh, a significant time, looks like he'll miss this week with a knee injury. Austin Eckler is not ready to go yet. And they're basically trying to eliminate touches from Joshua Kelly. And maybe I'm, seeing that incorrectly but joshua kelly has not been very efficient unfortunately with his work we were all very excited about him preseason but it hasn't happened so is caleb balage another spot start he was on the practice squad they'll eventually um get him up to the active roster but if he's active are we going to fire him up against the dolphins and then on the Dolphins side or hunter henry uh is a is a start as well uh, at the tight end position on the dolphin side are you confident with Tua? We've seen two good games. Last week, he was much better. The first week was just kind of a, hey, kid, get in there and don't blow it against the Rams. They have a huge upset win there. Then they get another win last week. He's played very well. Preston Williams, unfortunately, set to the IR. So Devontae Parker gets a bump, of course. Um, who's going to be that next guy? Is it Mike Kosicki? Is it another wide receiver? Um, that they Maybe Isaiah Ford? Um, oh, he's uh, in New England, excuse me. Is yeah. it somebody else that's going to step up there for the Dolphins? And their backfield is kind of the same thing. Are we going to trust Justin Howard or can you play Jordan Howard in any uh, format other than standard? And, you know, with Miles Gaskin out, who can we actually trust in this backfield? So a lot of question marks here with the, both young teams with the Chargers and the Dolphins. Yeah. And you know what the thing is too, when I'm looking at, you know, who beats each team, the Chargers in Miami, and you just touched on too, like the Chargers still have like Casey Hayward in the secondary and, you know, Mike Davis on the outside, and they've been very good against outside wide receivers this season. Even recently, they have. And then on the Miami side, you have Xavier Howard and you have Byron Jones. But when you're looking at who's being who, so let's talk about the Chargers first. First of all, I'm disappointed you didn't mention Kalen Bellage revenge game against the Dolphins. So that's huge. You know, he's going to want to get his against his old team. So yeah, of, I think, of course, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. So I think the old, old Kalen Bellage revenge. <laughs> here's, here's the problem. My issue is, can you have a revenge game if there's nothing to revenge? You know, like he, like, oh, God, Kalen Balazs, go ahead. 
Yeah. No, I hear you, man. It's more of an Adam Gase thing, I think. So maybe when he plays the Jets, he'll have this big, big game. But like you touched on, so what we Justin Jackson looking doubtful this week. I think Anthony Lynn already came out and said he's going to rest this week. So you're looking at Balage and Joshua Kelly. Now, when I was looking at the numbers, Kelly still ran a lot more routes than Balage. Balage got more rushing carries. And Balage looked good. I mean, I know it's it's a narrative, but it seems to keep happening. Guys who get away from Adam Gase start playing well. And he did perform well. And I think the Miami run defense is nothing intimidating about them at all. They did do a good job slowing down Chase Edmonds last week. He had 25 carries for just 70 yards. But overall, this season, Miami has been susceptible to the run game. So I do lean Kalen Balazs over a guy like Joshua Kelly. I think that it takes a little time for these guys to get acclimated in the passing game because, you know, he did get less routes and less pass game work than a guy like Joshua Kelly, but he's been in the system longer. So I think you can start Balazs as a flex this week. I think if you're desperate, you lost somebody to buy or injury, you can pick up Balazs and play him. But the smash play of the week is, is Keenan Allen. I mean, the guys that dominate the Miami Dolphins typically are guys who kick inside more. They get away from those perimeter cornerbacks. And I think Keenan Allen has a smash play. I think he's a great play across the board. Get him in your DFS lineups. Now, when I did look at this, and listen, when we evaluate tight ends, it's very important to remember that you know, you can get four receptions for 50 yards and be a tight end one on the week. So it's hard to get away from guys like Hunter Henry. But when you look at who actually beats the Miami Dolphins, it is wide receivers over tight ends. And I think Mike Williams, for example, I don't know. I know he got hurt a little bit on his last play. Like you said, he got a little banged up, but that's something to monitor. I think Mike Williams, to me, is the premier play versus a guy like a Hunter Henry. But like you said, it's about position scarcity with tight ends. Hunter Henry is going to be a start anyway, but I think Mike Williams could play in this one. I think you could play Mike, um, especially uh, just because I think this game could be a nice pass volume game for both sides. Now, if you look at the Dolphins, Preston Williams is now on IR. Uh, that's, you know, Isaiah Ford's in, in New England. So it's just, you know, really when you're looking at the Chargers, it has been inside wide receivers that beat. I just talked about Mike Davis, but they remember they lost Chris Harris this year. They also traded away Desmond King, who was their other slot corner. So they're on their third slot corner now this season. And that is a very vulnerable spot for them in the middle of the field. But I think when you're looking at who has beat the uh, chargers in the past, it's been just one guy. It hasn't been multiple receivers that have dominated them. Like, Great example of this is it was Nelson Aguilar last week, but no one else really did anything. Week before that was Deshaun Hamilton, who actually put up the big numbers. But then Judy had an okay game, four for 73, but it's only been one guy. And it's hard to tell you to pick anybody besides Devontae Parker. So I think because of the fact that Parker does move inside a little bit and he's the main pass catcher outside with Preston Williams gone. I think you're okay with starting a flex play like Parker this week. I don't think he's a stud number one, but I think he's a flex. And I'm not going to get cute. I'm not going to go out and start Jakeem Grant or something like that to plug in. So I think I'm fading them. And then Mike Jaziki, listen, the, the Chargers are not a great matchup for tight ends. When you're just looking at receptions and volume uh, and, and yardage. So I'm not really too excited for the passing attack necessarily for Miami. I think the ground game can get it done against the Chargers, though. And the question is, who's going to be that running back? I think last week when you're looking at it, uh, Ahmed, something Ahmed had seven carries. Jordan Howard had 10. But Howard has not looked good this season. He has gotten 10 carries for 19 yards and a touchdown. You're banking on touchdowns. You're not. I think I'm just fading the Miami Dolphins run game completely until unless Matt Breda is back. I don't know if Breda is going to be back, but that's something that's worth noting. 
If Matt Breda comes back this week, I would definitely consider flexing him. But it's too much of a mismatch uh, with all the other guys they're playing. And I think the only guy I'm really interested in starting this week is going to be Devontae Parker. I like it. I want to mention real quick that Mike Williams was able to walk off on his own power last week. So he should be good to go. And he's been injured throughout his career, but he also plays through injury quite often. So uh, until we hear otherwise, I expect Mike Williams to go. As far as the Dolphins defense, I think that's a great mention um, you made there of them being tough against uh, uh, tight ends um, uh, versus maybe the wide receiving core. And they're giving up the 10th most fantasy points to wide receivers, but the sixth fewest to tight ends there. So that's a great call from you. All right, man, we got one more game left. This one should be fireworks, both for NFL and fantasy purposes. Let's get into it. The Buffalo Bills, seven and two, huge W last week over Seattle. Russell Wilson, four turnovers, very uncharacteristic, but the Bills get out of there with the dub. And the Cardinals playing very well. Also, Kyler Murray, basically, um, just both these quarterbacks have been absolutely phenomenal. Uh, this week here so five and three for the Cardinals seven and two for the Bills I guess I'll just you know run down quick I mean uh, the quarterbacks are automatic Um, New Hopkins and Stephon Diggs are automatic I'm curious to see how Christian Kirk and or you know Cole Beasley slash John Brown would uh, would benefit for you there at the wide receiver cores the tight ends neither one of these teams uses the tight end and the backfield so Zach Moss has really taken over that goal line work, which we expected the quote unquote Frank Gore role. He's done well. He's done well in the past game. Singletary's getting yardage, but he doesn't score. So it's a bit tricky there. Who do you prefer in that matchup? And then on the Cardinals side, we're basically looking at Chase Edmonds, assuming Kenyon Drake is out again. But if Kenyon Drake does end up coming back, do you think it'll be a limited role? Is it going to be a split? How are we feeling about this one? Uh, I think there's many, many weapons here you can fire up in this game. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think this is going to be a fun one, too. I think last week we just saw kind of a similar game flow for Josh Allen and against the Seattle Seahawks, and he just went bananas for 415 yards and three touchdowns. This And now the Cardinals secondary, listen, they do have Patrick Peterson, but it is notable outside of Patrick Peterson, they're banged up everywhere else. And that's kind of been showing through. Listen, Tua didn't light up the, uh, the Arizona Cardinals last week or anything. But, you know, 248 and two, solid performance. Parker got 64 yards. Preston Williams got 60 yards and a touchdown. So there is production to have against this Cardinals secondary. It's interesting because would you think uh, in this matchup, Patrick Peterson will probably shadow Stephon Diggs. And that's going to probably happen. It makes so much sense for them to do that. And that's going to really open up a lot of opportunities for guys like John Brown and Cole Beasley. Now, granted, that's what I thought last week. And, And John Brown was great. He had eight for 99 in that game. But Beasley, only three for 39. It was Gabriel Davis who had four for 70 and one. And then guys like Isaiah McKenzie and Tyler Croft are catching touchdowns. There's nothing more frustrating than that. But, you know, for fantasy purposes, listen, I'm going to go back to the well. The Cardinals over the last five weeks have been very susceptible to wide receivers across the board for slot, out wide. So I think because Patrick Peterson most likely will be on Diggs, Diggs is still fine, still a flex play, but definitely fade him in DFS. But I think that's going to open up opportunities for John Brown and Cole Beasley in this one. So I'm rolling with both those guys behind the behind Stefan Diggs. Josh Allen, you're going to keep rolling with him. We just saw what, you know, obviously I think Josh Allen's a fine start because he's very mobile. The because Patrick Peterson shadows Diggs, and he's going to play a lot of man. And that means that they're more susceptible to running quarterbacks. So I think Josh Allen can get it done on the ground as well in this matchup. And then for the running backs, like you said, you're correct. I mean, the problem is. Last week against Seattle, Moss had nine carries for 18 yards, and Devin Singletary had two carries for one yard. 
And then Singletary had three rece- – it's just, to me, I'm not interested in Singletary. I just think once you lost that goal line worth to Zach Moss, I would love to see one of them get all the work. But I think Moss, if you're banking on him scoring a touchdown, that's what you have to do. But I'm not really excited to start Zach Moss. I think I favor the pass catchers in this one. As for the Cardinals, kind of the same thing. I kind of want to see Drake out again. Chase Evans get all the work. Listen, the guy was a complete workhorse. Um, he got, you know, 30, almost 30 touches in that game. So I think that's important. You're going to start him no matter what. Guy getting 30 touches, at some point he's going to break one or score a touchdown, and you're going to have a solid fantasy day. So I'm starting him. Now, the other question, though, is Tredavious White. He did get hurt in last week's game, uh, but DK Metcalf just completely worked him. And in the past, Tredavious White has faced DeAndre Hopkins twice in his career, and Hopkins has dominated Tredavious White. So I'm okay with – I think Hopkins is a, is a must-start in this game, even with a potential shadow coverage matchup versus Chardavius White. And then also outside of that, Josh Norman and Levi Wallace on the other side. Norman's been out the last couple of weeks. Levi Wallace has not been good on the other side. We just saw what uh, David Moore did. He got four for 71 and one. So I think Christian Kirk is right back in your lineups after another big performance. And another thing key with Christian Kirk, early on in the season, they kept missing on those long throws. Now they're connecting on those long throws. So I think Kirk's in. I think DeAndre Hopkins is in. I mean, listen, if you want to get get crazy and start Larry Fitzgerald, I just don't think it's a very uninspiring PPR play, maybe a wide receiver three. But I like Kirk. I like DeAndre Hopkins. Now for the running game, listen, it's Chase. I think you're starting Kyler Murray, obviously. there's no, You're not stopping this guy. But I think you're obviously starting Chase Evans. But what if Drake plays? I think if Drake plays, things get a little muddy for me. I think Drake is still flex. I think he's, he's still probably in your lineups, but I'm not going to probably start Chase Edmonds if Drake is in the lineup. I agree. I agree. And that's interesting that, you know, we bring this up about Tredavious White and Nuke Hopkins because Nuke is pretty much unguardable. And Tredavious White has been very shut down for the last couple of years, really emerged himself. If, if he was in a larger market, which the Bills are building back their market from the, the late 90s there, um, or the early 90s, I should say, if, uh, if Tredavious White was in a bigger market, um, I think he would get a lot more pub than he does he's excellent but there are certain run wide receivers in this league where it just doesn't matter dk metcalf obviously emerging as one of those julio jones Devonte adams michael thomas and nuke hopkins certainly in that mix as well of just you know potentially well, just, getting getting locked down but but it should be a great matchup so i track this stuff i do this for my article right and i've done it for the last two years hopkins has faced travius weight the last two times the one game he went five for 63 and one, the other game was six for 90. I mean, did he go off? Absolutely not, but he still got you a very solid performance. So in season long, you're not fading Hopkins. It might be something to monitor for a DFS purposes because Hopkins might not, he's like the top wide receiver on DFS. So you might want to fade him because he, he's going to have a solid game season long, but he's not going to get you the 20 points you need to have the value back in DFS. But that's a lot more uh, inviting than, let's say, a Marshawn Lattimore versus Mike Evans. Mike oh, Evans yeah. is, a, is a great receiver, but Marshawn Lattimore owns him. I believe 100%. it was in the, la- in the last three games that they played, Marshawn Lattimore has allowed six targets total and no receptions to Mike Evans. I mean, it's just – it's uh, not even a competition. So, so um, we'll see what happens there. All right, buddy, let's end out the episode with our pick per usual. And I have to say, man, you had a nice bounce back week. Uh, you and I actually tied for the lead score last week, 10 and four. Well done. And you and I are also tied in the season long record here. We're four behind Lucas and Dweez is about five behind us. So let's get these morning game pickums in and get week 10 underway. Bobby, you know, the drill, I'll give you two teams. You give me the winner straight up. 
Let's start it off here. We will go with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Carolina Panthers. Tampa Bay. Houston Texans, Cleveland Browns. Cleveland. Washington football team, Detroit Lions. Washington football team. Jacksonville Jaguars, Green Bay Packers. Green Bay. Philadelphia Eagles, New York football giants. Eagles. L.A. Chargers, Miami Dolphins. Chargers. Going with the Herbster. Love it. Buffalo Bills, Arizona Cardinals. Arizona. Ooh, I like it. <laughs> I like it. Got to, got to go with the home team if you're stuck. I love it. Yeah. Bobby DeMarco, always a pleasure, man. Ten weeks down. We got a few more to go here. Always a pleasure having you on. Please, one more time, let the TCK Potters know where we can find your content. Yeah, you can follow me on Instagram at Fantasy Football X Factor. You can also follow me on YouTube as well. And then on Twitter, I post a lot of tidbits, also FFX Factor. But you can find my articles on football.rasball.com. I go over the shadow coverage report every week. And then every Saturday is my opportunities analysis at expandtheboxcore.com. Go support the man. You can also check out the TCK pod anywhere you listen to your podcast. Give us a five-star review and a rating. We would much appreciate it. Also follow us on Instagram at fantasyfootball underscore TCK pod and on Twitter at TCK underscore pod. All of our rankings and articles at tckpod.com. And if you haven't checked it out yet, Monday we dropped our 300th episode. That was a team up with the commish ffp crew and we broke down a true strength of schedule sheet that we've been working on all week or all season long i should say to really kind of get our minds around if strength of schedule for fantasy football actually matters and what that means so go check that out that sheet is now available at tckpod.com this is episode 302 for bobby lamarco the fantasy football x factor i am your host sky guasco and we are out of here Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.